Welcome to Otherworld. I'm your host, Jack Wagner. After recording episode 31 with Alec, I began researching the Night Hag and was overwhelmed by how much information there was about it. This is something that has appeared in almost every culture around the world and goes back very far into history. Not only that, there are hundreds of unexplained deaths directly linked to people seeing this entity. And a major group of these deaths were studied at length by scientists in the 70s who found no clear explanation for what was going on. I've been reading these scientific papers and researching as much as I can about this phenomena. And in this follow-up episode, I'm joined by Joshua Citarella to dive deep into the strange deaths connected to this entity and the research that has been done on the subject. This is a preview of the full episode. If you want to hear the entire thing, you can sign up for the Otherworld Patreon at patreon.com otherworld. This episode and many other bonus episodes are already up and ready to be listened to. This is episode 32, The Night Hag Part 2, and you're listening to Otherworld. That's where we get to the main thing I want to talk about today, which is these deaths that are linked to people seeing the same thing that Alex yes. saw. Um, and we were... And we're not just a few. Hundreds. Not just a few. Yeah, hundreds. It's really... That was the thing that struck me about this story is that, um, you know, we're so used to dealing with these things as, you know, a one-off anecdotal... Uh, oh, it's it's curious that this happened to one person, but you know, is it really that large of a thing? Is it actually that present anywhere? And yeah, we have actually several hundred examples of specifically Hmong refugees fleeing Laos after the uh, civil war, uh, resettling the United States. And there's there's an enormous, uh, I mean, the the incidence of this occurrence, which they label sudden. Unexpected Nocturnal Death Syndrome, mm-hmm. or SUNDS, S-U-N-D-S. Uh, it is, yeah, it's very, very pronounced. So There's also Sudden Arithmetic Death Syndrome, SADS. You'll see it in mm. reference to that too, which is, once again, funny. I've, you know, I've said it before, I'll say it again, that science loves to just give something a name and then kind of leave it there. And it leaves people with this false belief that it's understood. We, they have no idea what this is. All of these people died in their sleep in ways that we can't explain. And it's happened since then as well. Healthy young males too. I mean, I think the median age is something yeah. like 30 years old. It's like when you're in the prime of your health is actually when you are like most susceptible to this, which makes it very, very anomalous. Not even, and, and by the way, if these people had heart conditions they would have said the death was a heart attack. They would have connected it more specifically to that. Well, we will, we will look at that study from the American Heart Association also. For yep. There's some interesting context uh, in there that definitely adds to the story. But yeah, I mean, uh, across the board, the, uh, the autopsies reveal um, uh, nothing. It is unknown, the cause of death. 
Yeah, that's what makes it so curious. And that's what spurred so much reporting on it. We looked at a piece um, in 1980 in the New York Times or 1981. Uh, and then there's a recent piece, 2011, in The Atlantic about this same story. And it remains largely unsolved. Uh, in, in reference to all of these different cultures having this kind of similar shared myth structure, uh, there's a field that I wasn't too aware of before uh, diving into this material, but they call it transcultural psychiatry. Mm-hmm. Transcultural psychiatry, which is essentially it's diagnosing a real material measurable phenomena um, through these types of traditional myth structures. Uh, so you have examples of people in Scandinavia or Newfoundland or in uh, Laos or wherever it happens to be, and they're all kind of describing this, um, this similar type of experience. And uh, yeah, the, the diagnoses from there on are, are really curious. It's, um... Should we give people an introduction to the, um, the specific version that the Hmong people believe in and why maybe they were so susceptible to this relocating to the U.S. uh, in 75. I'll let you go over that. I will say that my introduction um, for the Hmong people is that a lot of refugees were coming over to the United States because this is a group, this is a tribe, a diaspora. There's actually many subsets of the Hmong people that exist over uh, all over Asia. They were helping us out during the Vietnam War and before the Vietnam War, when we were kind of just like secretly over there. But a good amount of them were helpful to the United States. And as a result, I believe Congress made some kind of law that allowed them to easily flee and immigrate to the United States after we did not win the Vietnam War. <laughs> so, <laughs> which is um, very nice of us. But then, you know, not long after this started happening and... It's very strange. So Josh, why don't you take it from here? Sure, sure, yeah. I mean, I think um, it just the most striking part of this is just the the absolute devastation in Laos at the time. So it, if people are maybe not familiar, the Laotian Civil War spans uh, roughly like 1960 to 75. Uh, in the wake of that, the Hmong people are fleeing authoritarian communism in the region. Uh, and the devastation that they've seen in the last few years, you know, the kind of backdrop to all of this is that the CIA is secretly and illegally bombing Laos. Um, there's there's something, it's almost analogous to like the Black Plague in Europe. I mean, the, the estimated deaths are around like one third of the Laotian Hmong people died within that time. So, I mean, this is kind of the worst devastation that you could imagine. By some statistics, Laos was the most heavily bombed country in uh, the world, like up until now, still, just in, in the amount of bombs dropped in the country per people. It's, it's really uh, devastating. So these are people coming over from, to give you the context, like these are pre-literate societies. These are people who are living in villages. They have really traditional spiritual beliefs you know, uh, ritual and tradition are just ingrained in their way of life. They don't have like a Western understanding or a a scientific understanding of the world. Uh, And so they've been, you know, they're now having to flee from their ancestral homelands and they're coming over to the modern West, you know, largely settling in California, which is where a lot of these very curious deaths begin to take place. And they have been alienated from their traditional religious beliefs and practices uh, almost entirely. 
Some people, there are uh, a lot of Christian groups that are sponsoring people as they, you know, flee um, to, to settle in the U.S. And uh, a lot of people convert, but as is common with many people who change place and change religions, they hold on to their old traditions. You know, they might say that they're Christian and fill that out on a census form, but they still kind of, you know, they have rituals, they worship their original deities. And if people aren't too too familiar with this, I mean, this is kind of very common in a lot of like Asian uh, spiritual belief systems, but I would largely describe this as animism. Have you come across that term before, animism? I'm familiar with it, but not in my um, research on the podcast. I I didn't know about it until I did all of the like chart of truth like iceberg memes. But I think now I I understand it rather well. Uh, if people have seen like maybe Princess Mononoke, this is like a, a kind of like a, a visual representation of that. But essentially. Animism is this idea that like the whole universe is alive, like the trees are alive, the river is alive, the mountain is alive, and they Avatar. have these spirits. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So um, the thing that's curious in this context is that as people relocate to the United States, they are unable to fulfill their uh, religious and traditional uh, obligations. And so there's this sense that the spirits from their ancestral homeland are going to be vengeful because they haven't been properly honored. And then the myth structure that is specific to the Hmong people about the night hag, as we would kind of commonly call it, is that uh, they pronounce it Da Cho. This is this is their version. Every culture kind of has their own name for this entity, but um, it is most vengeful on the head of the household, and so that corresponds to you know, especially in the context of like the modern United States, and uh, you know, uh, in the late seventies, um, the breadwinner is the head of the household, is a man who, in most cases, is around the median age of thirty. And the Hmong people suspect, given all of these pieces of anecdotal evidence, we're looking at a paper here where we're drawing a lot of this from that was published by the University of California. This is by Shelley R. Adler. And she actually, she wrote a book on this. So we looked at the original paper, but she wrote a book uh, several years later that was published by Rutgers University Press. But this specific study, just to give all of our citations up at the top, we're looking at refugee stress and folk belief Mong Sudden Deaths. That's the name of this paper by Shelley R. Adler that's published by the Division of Medical Anthropology, Department of Epidemiology and Biostatistics at the University of California, San Francisco. And this is from 1995. So after 95, she takes a few years, and I believe the book comes out in... The book comes out a few years a few years later. I'm not sure I immediately have it in my uh, of all my various tabs. But essentially what she's looking at is that the Hmong people believe in the spirit, the Da Cho, which is the, the night hag, and then the amount of sudden unexpected nocturnal death syndrome is massively disproportionate with any recorded study basically around the world. So between 1981 and 1982, this is when people have been settled in the U.S. for a few years now, their death rate is 92 out of 100,000. And that is so vastly, vastly high, it actually ranks among the leading causes of death for that age group. Uh, in the same way that like heart disease, it's, uh, it, it's massively disproportionate. I think the median age here is exactly 33 in 1977 alone, there are more than 100 Southeast Asians in the United States who have died from this mysterious disorder that they label as sons. 
And and by the way, um, worth noting that this happens outside of the Hmong people, but it does seem to disproportionately affect Asians. Yeah, that was that was my first note of like, I, you know, as I approach everything on the internet as a skeptic, just like, is there a genetic component? Question mark. That was my first note on this whole thing. Let's keep going. I'm going to save my opinions for later. I'll let you kind of lead, and I'll chime in if I have anything. Bring, I'll out. bring you through as I kind of understood this. Um, as I kind of understood this story. So there's a 19, 1988 report from the Center for Disease Control indicates the incompleteness of this solution. Um, quoting here, only at night in times of unusual stress and possibly in conjunction with other as yet defined factors, are these people at risk of developing abnormal electrical impulses in the heart that result in ventricular fib- fibrillation and sudden death. Buckle up because as we get into the later studies, it's going to get like extremely uh, uh, technically specific. Um, but uh, yeah, essentially, uh, you know, the, as the story goes with sleep paralysis, is that you're unable to breathe, and then your heart suddenly stops, and the autopsy reveals no uh, no visible causality for the for the death. In this study specifically, they go and they interview all of the people in this Hmong refugee community and talk to the family members of the deceased to try to figure out like why these people are dying in their sleep, and all of them. Pretty much everyone reports that, oh, this person was having nightmares that week and said this was happening to them. And in some cases even said that like Da Cho was coming for them. And then all of a sudden they just die. And so all of the people around them, that's what they believe. Of course, the researchers are trying to find out some other explanation, but they can't figure anything out. Do we want to do any reading from this uh, study, Josh? Yeah, yeah. Just to support that last bit of... Uh, it, yes. It's not just anecdotal that people say... Dacho is coming for them. This is, it's 97% of the people who were interviewed believe that. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it, you know, this is like, um, this is the myth structure by which people live by. And it's, it's a very real belief for them. So I want to share here, um, just I'll, I'll read briefly this block quote about the, um, one of the people who was interviewed. And this is from a 33-year-old Hmong man who had a nightmare uh, shortly after moving to the U.S. Uh, the quote reads, First, I was surprised, but right away, I got real scared. I was lying in bed. I was so tired because I was working very hard then. I wanted to go to school, but I had no money. I kept waking up because I was thinking so much about my problems. I heard a noise, but when I turned, tried, I could not move. My bedroom looked the same, but I could see in the corner a dark shape was coming to me. It came to the bed, over my feet, my legs. It was very heavy like a heavy weight over my whole body, my legs, my arms, my chest. My chest was frozen. I was like drowning. I had no air. I tried to yell so someone sleeping very close to me will hear. I tried to move using a force that I can, a strength that I can have. I thought, what if I die? After a long time, it went away. It just left. I got up and turned all the lights on. I was afraid to go to sleep again. I forgot that they also interview people who had the nightmares, but did not die, of course. And some people reported similar things leading up to their eventual death. But yeah, a lot of things are similar to that. Is there anything else you want to read in this study? There's a lot. I was, you could probably read the entire study out loud. Is uh, The whole thing is really interesting. There is, yeah, yeah, there's there's um, a ton in here. I want to just highlight this um, this section here. 